This is The Lit Fantastic, a podcast series that explores authors and their obsessions. I'm your host, Neil Aiken. In this episode, I speak with Helen Cardona, a poet, a literary translator, an editor, an actor, a screenwriter, and a children's book author. She is the recipient of numerous awards. Her work has been translated into 13 languages. If we were to list everything that Helen does or has done, it would take up the entirety of this podcast series, or at least that's how it feels like. We join the conversation at the moment when Helen describes her experience of being interviewed by Dale Griffiths for an anthology called Ren Women, which came out last year, which explores the lives of multi-talented, multifaceted women. She invited me to, to be part of this, this collection of essays that were interviews that she conducted with several women who are like me, you know, Renaissance women in the sense that we do more than one thing. <laughs> so, um, and so this book just came out as well. So you, you do, you do have these, it, it, Renaissance woman is really kind of what it is. You, you're, you're everywhere. You're, you're exploring all these different ways of, um, of creating and of, you know, capturing and embodying and, Trans, I guess the word is translating um, beauty right. from one form to another form. Right. I, I would say, I guess, you know, the funny thing is, now that you're saying it this way, uh, translating myself, you know, would be the first, you know, expressing myself through creativity. And, of course, everything in the world really is translation when you, when you think of it. You know, anything that you look at, that you read, you translate in your own mind. Even if it's written in English, you interpret it, right? It's a form of translation. And so, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's true. I, I mean, I, I think about that all the time, that it is this constant act of translation. You know, the way we navigate the world, we can't help but be translating. And, um, you know, I, I don't think we ever really come to grips with that until we learn a second or a third language right. and are confronted with the sort of the, the sudden realization that there are experiences and objects and, and feelings that um, are much larger than a particular linguistic label or word that we've commonly associated with it. So for you, what were some of the reasons that you found yourself doing this work of translation, uh, whether it's in terms of the, the formal literary translation or in terms of, um, I guess in general, what attracts you to this work of translation? You know, it, it, it's more like it came to me uh, rather than me seeking it because really when, when you think of it, I, I, I already grew up in a, in a world, you know, in, in Europe where translation was just... Uh, a normal aspect of, of my life. You know, I'm, mm. I'm a child of immigrants. So, like, like you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, so I'm a child of immigrants. My, my father uh, left Spain under dire circumstances during the dictatorship of, of Franco. He uh, escaped, you know, uh, he was about to be arrested for, actually for his writing, and, and mostly for his translations, because dictators are usually uh, quite stupid 
and and are, are threatened very easily, you know. Mm. So he was, tra- yeah, he was translating the works of of, of French uh, writers like Flaubert, and that was deemed a threat to the re- to the regime, you know, for instance, and and whatnot. It's not like he was um, being an activist, you know, but the the sheer act of 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 literary creation or or just translating literary text was 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 deemed threatening. And and of course, you know, he only became more more and more political. But basically, he had to escape, you know, and and to avoid arrest. And and he moved to to France, where he met my mother, who herself had left Greece to to. They both pursued. Um, they were studying law in a French university in the north of France. So I'm I'm the child of immigrants, and both countries that my parents come from have endured dictatorships, you know. Mm-hmm. While mom was in France, the uh, colonel's dictatorship took place in Greece, and, and one of her friends is, uh, was the writer of, of, of Z, which, you know, which was adapted into a, a movie by Costa Gavras. Mm-hmm. So I grew up with, you know, at least three languages. At home, we spoke Spanish and French, and, and my mom taught me Greek. I, I lived between France and Switzerland. They, they moved to, to, we moved to Switzerland right, right after I was born, and, and my brother was born there. And then Switzerland, you know, has, has three languages, you know, French, German, and Italian, you know, on, on everything, written mm-hmm. absolutely everywhere, anything you buy. So I picked up German, you know, as a child there as well. And then when we, mo- we moved back to Paris, I continued with a, studying German at the Goethe Institute. So I was already surrounded by languages, and, and translation was just a, a normal aspect of life. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I didn't think at the time I would become a translator. I was, um, I was very artistic, so I was already a, a pianist. I was studying the piano, and, and, and I was dancing early on. And I graduated from the music conservatory in Geneva with a second prize in piano. And, and when we moved to Paris, I continued, you know, training with a, a, a master. And at the same time, I was a math major, you know, um, <laughs> in high school, which the French system has a way of specializing very early on. Mm-hmm. So it looked like I, I was probably going to be doing something scientific with my life, although I thought, you know, I'd, I'd also be a pianist and I loved literature and and. and and languages, so it was. It was just um, so many things going on, and and moving between cultures and languages, which just was just a normal aspect of my life. You mm-hmm. know, I, I, it was natural. I didn't even think of it. You know, and because of my love, because I loved languages so much, I I, I would study. You know, every every summer I would go to to England to study English and, and to Spain, you know, um, I studied at two Spanish universities, the uh, Menendez Pelayo in Santander and the uh, International Uni- University of Andalusia in Baeza to study also the literature and the, um, and the philology, you know, the language. Mm-hmm. So, so that was just part of my life. I, I, uh, I really wanted to become an actor, even though all of that was going on. And the struggle was really the one of individuation, you know, of, of, of how to become myself and how to express myself. And it really was a very long journey because I first, you know, got into med school at 17. And I thought, oh, yeah, I can be a doctor and, and do all of that as well. But you can't, you know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was a hard, you know, very hard awakening. It was just, you know, that's if you're... If, if you're a doctor, that's your whole life. You're you're not, you know, going to be an artist. You're not going to be doing any of that. And after two years, I I dropped out and 
I got my master's in American literature, you know, and um, moved to New York to, to pursue acting, you know, full time. So really, the, I, I had been working all along, supporting myself when I was a student. Um, I worked as a translator interpreter for the um, Canadian Embassy in Paris and also for the French Chamber of Commerce. So I was doing those things because I could, you know, to work, to, to make money. I wasn't thinking of them as a, a profession because my goals were to be an artist, you know, to, mm-hmm. you know, my goal was to, 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 to train as an actor and, and become a working actor. But I had those tools that I could use and I could teach, you know, and I did that. And all along, I'd be writing, you know, I, I, I was writing all along. And when it finally came time for my first book to be published, it was the um, publisher's idea that I presented in a bilingual collection, mm. you know. And then I, I, at that time, I met Dorian Locks, who asked me to translate what we carry into French. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, and then I, I, what I had done in the past was just for fun, you know, like uh, uh, some literary translations here and there, just be, it just became a, a bit of a more, you know, serious endeavor in terms of getting, you know, getting published, which is a different you know, outlook, you know, one can translate a lot without, or, or write a lot without looking to get published. Mm-hmm. So the the focus shifted, and it's more uh, encounters, you know, like that. And uh, and then I, I uh, was introduced to uh, Gabriel Arnoudo Jacques, and, uh, and then loved the book so much, you know, I wanted tr- to translate it, basically. So um, that's, that's how it sort of, uh, you know, there's a in a very organic way, in a way, it wasn't, you know, um, a pursuit per se, it wasn't, you know, it, it just sort of unfolded naturally. Yeah, I, I think that's often, you know, what happens with um, with certain things in our lives, that they, we didn't really choose them, they kind of came to us and, oh, yes, yes. Th- and emerged out of the, the life yes. that we lived. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it's... It's interesting. I, I think my my father was one that told me that um, that he said that in his lifetime he changed careers multiple times. And then he said, <laughs> in my he says, and he pointing to me, he said that you will have to change careers even more. He says that's the world that we live in, and that whatever you do, probably whatever you end up doing, will probably not have existed when you started. And I thought that was really. I mean, I didn't see it at the time, but now I see yeah. very much that this is the world we live in, where we um, more and more we no longer get to to find a job that defines us completely. You know That's that we're, right. we're we're mm-hmm. assigned to a particular university or institution or, or corporation, but instead we're crafting our own our own way. We're making our own. You know, lives. Sometimes we benefit from a strong affiliation, but even still, we're always doing things that are bigger than just that one job label. Yeah, and and you don't know at the time, you know, uh, what what life is going to bring you and the impact of certain, you know, uh, encounters or, or jobs or 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 what you know um, what it can lead to. And so, in a way, it's great to have a. A certain openness, you know, about it, um, uh, for sure. You know, it's it's uh, everything you do. Like at least for me, I think that everything I, I do informs everything else I do. Like the the acting work, the mm. uh, 
the writing, you know, the all the jobs I've had. I've had to I've had to take all kinds of jobs to survive, you know. I've, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know what I'm saying. I, yeah, I, I've I've been there. I've I've done everything from being a farm laborer, in a, you know, over the summer as a high school student. To working as a parking attendant um, in the early hours of the day, to um, yeah, yeah, you know, to, to to being a computer games programmer. Want to learn more about our guests and other episodes? Then check out our website at www.thelitfantastic.com. Or follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook at The Lit Fantastic. You know, and and I'm grateful for every single every single opportunity, every single job, no matter mm-hmm. how hard it's been. You know, because you just never know, and. And the magic of life, you know, life is magical. Um, how how it brings things full circle at times, or or just the the synchronicities. Like mm-hmm. For instance, one of the jobs I had when I was in New York, and and just having to start my life over, basically, you know, I I worked in a few restaurants, and one of the restaurants I worked in, I I made some very beautiful encounters. You know, I um, I met um, the uh, Irish. Singer, you know, I mean, singer songwriter uh, Luca Bloom, mm. and you know, and and then uh, reconnected with him when John and I went to Ireland four years ago. Was it uh, to to tour, you know, with Salmon Poetry, and mm-hmm. he came, you know, to to the reading, and we hadn't seen each other in so many years, and mm-hmm. uh, and just recently through Facebook, which is just I think an amazing connector, Alta. You know the uh, association. You know American. Um, yeah, literary translation. Yeah. Um, so they have a wonderful blog. You know where they post interviews and and reviews and um, about translators and translations. And they just recently posted this um, interview with the uh, poet and writer Wolfgang Hermann. You know, uh, aus- beautiful Austrian writer. And I had met him there in New York when I was like, you know, struggling and working there. And he had given me one of his first books. And and now. You know, many years later, uh, later, and many books later for him, he has a new book that's just been translated into English, and we reconnected. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. You know, <laughs> yeah. it, it is it is one of the the wonderful things about the literary world. Um, but it's even bigger than the literary world, like you're saying. It's oh, like you yeah. might be in a in a completely unrelated field, and you have these chance encounters Absolutely. that that yes, that open you. up, uh, like yes. it, in Chinese, uh, you know. The, the, there's a phrase that we use, um, yuan fun, which is kind of, it's kind of serendipity, but it's also kind of fate. It's basically heaven, the heavens have arranged this to happen. It's oh, not yeah. pure chance. With you. Yes, absolutely. I love that. I love that. Another thing that I do that I usually never get to talk about, cause <laughs> it's been a, a part of my life that's been more private, but since this is a great um, uh, opening for it, is I'm also an astrologer. Mm. And, and, you know, it's, it's really something that I fell into when I was in New York because I was really, um, a friend of mine took me to a class that this great teacher was teaching, uh, um, 
oh, I know I'm blanking on her name, <laughs> um, one of the great, uh, great astrology teachers. And, and, um, and I was really trying to make sense of, of my life because of all the detours, basically, you mm-hmm. know, of all the difficulties I had to, to, to finally find myself in New York and, 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 you know, having to start over a couple of times already, you know, and thinking, you know, at first you just wonder, you know, is it time wasted? Is it like, you know, why, you know, like I, I spent all these, all these years doing math and physics and then med school. And, but, but it all comes together. And so I, I, I started studying astrology and um, became fascinated with it, really, and, and now have been practicing, you know, and, and uh, I've been able to, to help a lot of people. And, it's, you know, I, it, it's a 20-year practice at this point. <laughs> it's, it's something that, uh, you know, I look at the world through that same lens that, you know, uh, that you brought about, you know, with a Chinese saying that some things are meant to be. Mm-hmm. And and that doesn't mean that everything is fated. You do have a choice in in what you do and how you react and what you make of of you know what life brings you and what you do with it. But definitely, I think we each have a path, you know, mm-hmm. a path to follow, and it's different for everyone. And some things are fated, and and that's why one should never compare oneself to anyone else. You know, we each have a very unique path. And the timing is very different for everyone. And society tends to pressure us into, you know, thinking in a more robotic way that things have to be a certain way, but they don't. <laughs> and to come to terms with that, you know, to, to come to terms with the cards that you've been dealt and, and to appreciate what it is they are and make the most of it, you know, and, and embrace your path mm-hmm. is, is what we're about, yeah. What you you talk about, you know, this this interesting intersection between all these different fields of study and and knowledge, and and I'm going to betray my own sort of um, my own sort of uh, research bias, things that I love. Um, the uh, the 19th century mathematician Charles Babbage, who <laughs> <laughs> you know I'm obsessed with, and, and yeah. sort of his quest to build the first computer before it was even something that people could imagine, and he was the first to imagine it. Mm -hmm. But he, um, one of the things that I find fascinating about his life is, you know, his entire devotion to, um, to the world as being absolutely meaningful, like the significance of numbers. He believed that everything had a number. Right. And yeah, that I, I that it wasn't it wasn't like even his model of the world as being a um, as basically what we see what, what life existence that what we see on the earth the things that happen mm-hmm. for him it was just the um, it was the output of a program run on a grand machine that was designed by an intelligent creator and and so within that it was he he found a weird way within sort of his, his model to accommodate both free will and sort of this, this, this yeah. perfect mechanical model. Um, right. <laughs> and, and it was just this strange sort of blending of the two things. But within that was this obsession, this fascination with the precision and the pattern of the world. That, Absolutely. That there was yeah. tremendous beauty that's right. In discovering what these patterns were. Yeah, it's all about patterns. And 
first of all, if there is one universal language, it's mathematics, you know. It's absolutely universal, and everything can be seen through, through mathematics. And, and should we expect your next book to be bilingual in English and in math? <laughs> no, no, no. No, but um, there are patterns, uh, universal patterns. Um, the universe is intelligent, and, and uh, everything in our life. Uh, um, works according to cycles and patterns. Nature is cyclical. Mm-hmm. You know, the movements of the planets, they're cyclical. Uh, uh, you know, the, the, the beauty, when you look at the geometry, those lines, you know, uh, in the sky, the, the elliptics, you know, the, uh, it's, it's, it's just, um, I mean, who, who could, you know, it's, it's, it's unbelievable how, mm-hmm. how it all works, Right. So I think in spite of the, the horrors, you know, that are happening and constantly, and, and we do live in a, in a world uh, that's made of duality, you know, where mm-hmm. there is good and evil in that sense, you know, where mm-hmm. there, there is beauty and ugliness. We have to be reminded, of, I think, of the overall beauty of it all, you know, that transcends it all. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I hate to say this, but our time is almost up. Um, <laughs> it's so fast. It went so quickly. I was wondering before before we go, um, if you could take a moment to read uh, maybe one or two poems. Okay, yes. I'll pick two short poems then. Okay. And connect it to what we've been talking about. Um, so one is in search from the new book, From Life in Suspension, and one's in search for benevolent immortality, with an epigraph by Mary Oliver. Someone I loved once gave me a box full of darkness. It took me years to understand that this, too, was a gift. My mother sacrificed so much. I tried to mend fractured relations, let light flicker into the sheltered past. We packed whole lives into bundles, in search of what chooses us, what wants to come back to the surface, what needs to be said. We had so many dreams, we didn't know what to make of them. And so, with leopard's ears, I hear beyond the range of sound, the ineffable, the sublime, my mother's breath, grandmother's smile, ancestors' voices, to soothe and heal the sorrow. And this is a house like a ship. I live in a house like a ship, at times on land, at times on ocean. I will myself into existence, surrender, invite grace in. I heed the call of the siren. On the phantom ship, I don't know if I'm a wave or cloud. Undine or seagull, lashed by winds, ackling tight to the mast. Few return from the journey. I now wear the memory of nothingness, a piece of white sail wrapped like second skin. Wow, that was fantastic. Um, thank you so much for this, this lovely, lovely conversation and uh, for making math beautiful. <laughs> 
Thank you, Neil, so much. And and for bringing in all these different threads together in this discussion of translation. And and I, I love what we've been talking about, about like how all these different parts of our lives end up accumulating and turning into something unexpected in the end. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They, they do come together in the end. Yeah. To make who we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then to, right. to provide us with plenty of things to write about. <laughs> <laughs> You need, you need the experiences to write. You know, uh, that's the other thing. My father was always telling me that. He says, you, you have to fill the well. You have to and fill the well. And this is why time is on our side as artists. Time is on our side. And we have to remember that in the kind of society that we live in, mm-hmm. that time is our ally. And we do get better with time. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Um, I look forward to... Uh, to, to hearing more and hopefully um, to, to seeing another book in the near future. Do, do you have something that's coming out soon? I think you said there's a translation that's coming out. Or well, these two just came out in June. Uh, right. The new books are brand new, um, Beyond Elsewhere, the translation, and, and Life in Suspension. Suspension, they're, yes. Yes. So yeah. it gives you a little breather so you can work on the next set. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I have a few uh, a few surrealist creations, let's put it that way, very different. Uh, mm-hmm. Not completely different, but quite different from what I've written before. Well, thank you so much. Um, we'll talk again soon. Um, take care until, until next time. That was Helene Cardona, award-winning actor, poet, translator, and all-round fascinating mind. Her most recent book, Life in Suspension, just won the 2017 International Book Award in Poetry. For more information, you can check out her website, helencardona.com, or Google her. She shows up everywhere. You've been listening to The Lit Fantastic, a production of KBOO Community Radio in Portland, Oregon. Special thanks to freemusicarchive.org and to our producer, Jenna Yokoyama. To find out more, check out our website at www.thelitfantastic.com. And until next episode, I'm your host, Neil Aiken. Thanks for listening. <laughs>